funny sounding strings. That was awesome. The Lord's good, isn't he? Good to be in his presence today. Great to be in his house. And I know it's nice and cold outside, and I don't even know if it got this cold during the winter. But, um, you know, one thing about it, it doesn't matter what the weather is outside or what's going on in the world. It's the same God. And, man, we've just enjoyed his presence so much this week. Just had some tremendous services and just uh, good words from the Lord this week. And I'm glad to be here in his presence again. Why don't we stand together this morning, lift our hands to the Lord and thank him. Yeah, I know I say this often. It may not be like you want it, but it's not as bad as it could be. There's always something to be thankful for. Hallelujah. God, we thank you this morning. We love you. We praise you. God, we honor you in this house. You're worthy to be praised. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your presence. Lord, we just thank you for the privilege of standing in your sanctuary once again. God, we love you, honor you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, you're good to us, God. We love you. Glory to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, give him a hand clap and a big shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So thankful for the Lord and just thankful for you to see you lovely people in the house of the Lord. Thankful for our visitors with us from St. Louis today. Glad you're here with us. Just make yourself at home and worship the Lord with us. We're just going to have a good time today in Jesus' name. We'll continue on our gravel road to heaven today. And um, today uh, we'll... Uh, talk a little bit more about this walk and this journey, some things that we ought to expect and, and things we should know. I'm glad I, that we can just keep learning as we walk with the Lord. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn or you can follow with us on the screen this morning, Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews 11, 15 and 16, on the end of a great list of miraculous uh, faith birthed events in Hebrews 11 talks about people who had seen great things done great things all through faith but this these two verses let me know that they're just like anybody else it says and truly if they these great heroes of faith if they had been mindful of the country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. But now, if something happens in you when you have faith in God, something changes, or it should change. But now that they've seen what the Lord can do, and now that they, we, we've read their story, and so now they desire a better country, that is and heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. So today, the title of our lesson is The Land of Dragons, or the subtitle is Wanted, Ordinary Heroes. 
and we'll, you'll understand it as we get into it, so don't worry. Let's lift our hands and pray together for the lesson. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word today. Thank you for the gift of faith. And Lord, we pray today that you'll just speak to us. Let our hearts be ready and our ears be ready to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. Let the word find good ground in our heart. Let us grow and be changed, be better. Lord, we want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. So help us to hear today, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen and give him one more hand clap of praise this morning. What a great God. I'm glad he's with us all the way. I'm glad he's with us on this journey. You can be seated. God bless you. The land of dragons. The, you know, we don't do good uh, as uh, humans with the unknown uh, or the uncertain. I mean, a lot of people get very nervous when they don't know the answers. You know, it's like people who get very nervous with a test. They've studied, but they don't know what questions are going to be asked, and they, they're not, they can be very smart, but they can be just terrible testers because it's the, the uncertainty of what's going to be there makes them so anxious that they forget what they know. Uh, and it's like, do you not know this? Yes, I know it. It's just that uh, this uncertainty, it, it freezes me. It, it, I don't like the uncertain. You, know, you, you ever get a, a, a text message or a phone call from somebody, and they're like, hey, I need you to call me wrong well what's the matter oh it happens all the time if I ever text anybody you'd be surprised how many times I've texted about hey can you give me a call and instead of saying yeah just a second they go is everything okay it's like if pastors ask me to text them something must be something must be wrong I'm in trouble I've done something I'm like oh, I just need to ask you if you're coming you know nothing just want to talk to you a minute say hello you know but oh if, if pastor says hey can, hey can you come to the office for a second Uncertainty. Uh, we don't like that, and uh, but that's part of this walk with the Lord. Is we don't know, always know what is coming around the bend. Uh, in world history, when Christopher Columbus was setting out to find this new world to, to sail off across the oceans, uh, they had great uncertainty because. In all the maps of that time, they only went so far. And then in the margins around where the known world at that time stopped, it just said, here lie dragons and wild beasts. And no one had ever been there to know if they were dragons and wild beasts, but that's what they wrote. And that false reality became a reality. The people in, uh, and it uh, would stop people from venturing out past where they could see on the map. And people like Columbus knew, if I'm going to find anything new, I'm going to have to trust and have faith. And I'm going to have to go past uh, where, uh, I'm going to have to go into the unknown. I'm going to have to just realize that uh, we'll never know if somebody doesn't do it. Somebody's got to go into the uncharted spaces. And, that, and that's, when we walk with God, it is definitely, there are some things I know. There are some things I'm searching about. 
But walking with God isn't solely about certainty. It involves uncertainty. And the people that uh, we call heroes in the Scripture uh, were not always certain about what was about to happen. When we think about the heroes of the Scripture, we're like, well, boy, they just look at what they did. It isn't, but they didn't know everything right off the bat. They didn't understand. Uh, they, they just acted on what they did know. It's amazing how being uncertain about something can cause you to forget everything you do know. I've had people call me with situations, and I'll say, okay, let's just stop a minute because you're talking about things you don't know. Well, yeah. I said, has the doctor, you know, it would be about a doctor visit. I said, well, did the doctor say this? Well, no. Well, have you got the test back yet? Well, no. I said, so what we do know is this, is that everything right now is okay. So don't stress out or get anxious or lose your mind over what you don't even know. Let's don't get ahead of it. Let's trust in what we do know. And so these people in the scripture, they acted on what they knew to be certain, and then they let God take them to places that they had never been before. It's, it's like that. Uh, you think about people like Abraham and the disciples. They, they didn't know. Abraham didn't know where he was going when God called him. The disciples didn't know what it meant to be made into a fisher of men. They just heard a voice, trusted that, and began to walk by faith. They began to believe what they uh, knew uh, to be certain what they felt, they went on. Sometimes they just went on their feelings before they even went on faith. They felt it within themselves, but they were certain in the scripture. You find people they, they were certain about God's character. And so, when everything is upside down in the world, I try to remember what I know. I know who I serve. I know who I belong to. I know what He can do. You know, I, I know who's got me. And so, if I know that. That'll get me through anything. Paul said it like this in uh, his letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy as he began to talk about his call into the gospel and preaching of the gospel. That uh, In verse 11 he said, I'm appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. When Paul was called, uh, the Lord told Ananias, he said, he's a chosen vessel and I need you to show him all the things he's going to suffer. I want you to go tell him what he's going to go through. And Paul had no idea he was going to be shipwrecked and beaten and, and all these things were going to happen. He had no idea of what, that he'd be starting churches and, and traveling all over the world. He didn't know what it meant when the Lord uh, knocked him down on the road and told him who he was. But now he says, I am an, I'm appointed a preacher, apostle, teacher to the Gentiles. And for this cause, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed because I know who I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. He said, I know who I have believed. And that's what gets us walking on this road and keeps us walking on this road is that we know who we have believed. It'll get you walking into the, the borders where nobody's been, where they say there's dragons at. It'll get you in the place that people are afraid to go when you just trust God and you're certain about God's character and you're certain about you know, God has a commitment to his word. He said, my word will not return unto me void. God will back up his word. It's forever settled in heaven. And so uh, we need to know that God is committed to his people. He said, I will build a church and, uh, on this rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He is, I, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'll come to you. He's committed to his people. 
I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. God's going to be there. These are things you can't forget as you sell off into the unknown of what your life is going to finally be with God because you don't know uh, what that journey is going to do. I, had, I did not know the night that I came and repented that one day I would be pastoring a church. I was fixing to pick up my cross and start following him wherever that was going to lead. But I trusted what had already been done. And if God has called you and washed you and filled you, you can rest assured that he did not invest in you just to leave you blowing in the wind. You've got to trust uh, that God is watching out, that God has ordered some things in your life. And then once you are certain about God's commitment, God's commitment to his word, God's commitment to his people, and you're certain about his power, and once these things are established, then you allow God to just, Lord, set the course for my life, lead me where I need to go, even if it is a journey into the unknown. Psalm 119 and 133 said, order my steps in thy word. Lord, order my steps. You're trusting God to set the path. That doesn't mean he's going to tell you where it's going to lead. He's not going to always show you the big picture right off the bat. But you just got to trust that each step is getting me closer to where he wants me to be. This is a key in walking. Uh, you've got to know who you have believed, who you have trusted in, and that the Lord is going to take care of you. Uh, the whole, you know, one of the most read and quoted psalms is Psalm 23. And the whole psalm is about uh, the sheep's trust in the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. and I know who he is. I shall not want. I trust in his provision. You know, and then he leads me to green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. If, if I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear because his rod and staff comforts me. I trust that he's protecting me and, and that even in the presence of my enemies, he's going to prepare a table. Uh, he's going to take care of me and make sure I'm fed and goodness and mercy is going to follow me. There's things I just know about my relationship with God. The sheep does not always know where the shepherd is leading, but he trusts that he's leading him to a good place. And that if an enemy comes out, he'll protect him. And, and so we walk with God in confidence, not uh, a boastfulness in ourselves, not uh, self-righteous and egotistical, but trusting completely in the leading of the Lord. God will lead us where we need to go. And, and so when we hear, uh, you, you've heard me talk like this before, when, when we hear stories of of, of great Christians in the scripture and, and even in maybe you can just think of people that you know today that are in your life. I mean, I, I think of people, you know, we call them well, these, these spiritual giants of faith. They're people that we look up to and, um, and they, they've preached all over the world. They've done things, written books and stuff and they're just, they're great people of God. They've done mighty things and we learn from them and we think, man, they're like, it's like they came from another planet. It's like they got bit by a radioactive spider or something. You know, it's like they've, they've got some uncanny, unnatural ability or power, but they don't. They're, they were ordinary people who simply decided to let God work in their life. They came from, well, we're gonna, I'm going to get ahead of myself, but, but when you hear that, you, you, we start thinking, you know, uh, oh, they've got something going on that I just don't have. I've always said, you know, we might have something somebody doesn't have, but we don't have anything that they can't have. And so uh, 
you know, if, if, we, if we, many times we'll say, well, I just can't do that. It's not that we can't do that, it's that we won't do that. That's, we need to get correct on our speech here because it's not that we can't, it's that we won't. It's because we let the dragon stop us. We, we believe these myths about ourselves that we're not worthy, that we're no good, that, that I don't have the same kind of faith. I don't have, but what, they ain't but one kind of faith. is one Lord, one faith. Well, it's, it's the measure of faith. Uh, we all have the same spirit of faith. We talked about that last week. So it's not that they had a different faith. They don't have a different Holy Ghost than you got. They don't serve a different God. He doesn't love them any better than he loves you. But we believe the dragons. We believe the myths uh, that, and so I can't go, but so far I can't stay. I got to stay right here in this place. But they had questions about themselves too. I mean, Moses, he did everything he could to back out of that. Lord, I can't, I'm slow of speech, slow of time. I'm, I'm not a talker, I'm not a speaker. I get there, they're going to say, Who sent you? They don't even know what to tell. I just send somebody else. But the Lord, no, you're going. You know, we had uh, people, uh, great men that were called, they, they, they hide. They went and hid, you know, hiding behind the stuff. They, they trying to uh, get out of the eye, eye line of, Lord, you've made a mistake. There's no way it's me, but y'all know it's you. David, David been out in the fields watching his father's sheep before the prophet said, I'm not sitting down until you bring them all forward. David's out there watching sheep. He's laying in the grass. He's probably been... He probably smelled like sheep, you know, and he's a kid. He's just ordinary. But the Lord, and guess what? Just because he had oil poured on his head didn't mean he had to do anything. He let God lead him into that place. He, he, he said, okay, this has happened, but he went right back to the sheep, and his life was just, it was just another, the rest of an ordinary day for him. And, and God is... is calling people out of places that are just ordinary to make something extraordinary of them if we'll let him. Those people that we call heroes, they're nothing more than ordinary people. Hebrews 11 is filled uh, with, with all these people that we call heroes. But they were just ordinary people. And if, if there was a Hebrews 11 uh, part two, there'd be people from our walk of life today that are in there because they've seen signs and wonders and miracles and had faith in God. And, and uh, you could be in that book just like them if you just have faith in God. That's why Gideon and Barak and Samson, you know, they, they just had to have faith in God. David had to have faith in God. Noah, Abraham, they had to have faith in God. Sarah had to have faith in God. They were just ordinary people. Mary, the mother of Jesus, there was nothing visible or, or extraordinary about her than any other young teenage uh, virgin in that country. The difference was is that when God came to her and said, here's what I want to do, she said, be it unto me according to thy word. She said, okay. What if Mary would have said, I don't believe I want this? Well, God's not going to force it on her. What if she had just really bucked at it and said, oh, no, 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 no. I've, I'm already engaged. Don't be messing up my life. Because people do that. God, don't mess my life up. I like what's going on right now. Oh, they do it all the time. God says, hey, I could really do this in your life. You would uh, come out of here or come out of there. Oh, no, I'm not dropping anything, Lord. I'm going to keep doing my thing. And God's, well, I can't, 
do nothing with you if you're going to do your own thing. But Mary said, well, I'm nobody. I'm the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And she said, let's see what happens. And Mary became the mother of the Savior. Or just ordinary vessels. Just, just somebody that God is just trust, is trusting, that they will trust him. That you'll just believe me and trust me and that I've only got your good in mind, but you've got to follow me. You've got to let me work in your life. Um, well, I don't know, Pastor. I think, you know, people that's been, you know, people that's been to Bible college, they know more than me. They're better than me. And people that were, you know, they're fourth generation apostolic. They know more than I know. No, they don't. <laughs> it, it, it's not about uh, first or second or third or fourth generation or what diploma you hold or what cards you hold. It's not about any of that, how God is choosing people. And then uh, Paul, Paul wrote it like this in, in 1 Corinthians uh, see, 1 and then 26 through 29. He said, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And so, uh, you'll understand it. I don't, I don't reference the Message Bible often, but sometimes it kind of gives you a good insight into, if, if you don't get all this old English stuff, you're like, I don't know what he just said. This is, this is the Message Bible, the version uh, of this scripture. It says, take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you, and not many influential, not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses? He chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies to make it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. <laughs> so, <laughs> I said, people break their arm patting themselves on the back. You know, and, and this is the Lord's like, I'm going to choose who I'm going to choose. We, we, we mentioned it uh, the other day about how these fishermen, the men that had been fishermen and uh, were now preaching and turning the world upside down. And, and uh, even the, the Pharisees, they, they recognized, the rulers of Israel realized and said, you know, I know these are just a bunch of ignorant, <laughs> dirty Galileans, but they've been with Jesus. And see, that's it. Uh, God chose them, and, and they, sure, they wonder, why did, you, why did you stop by the temple, Lord, when you were saying, follow me? Why did you go by the seashore? Why did you go by the tax collector's office? Why, why are you calling people that nobody really notices? Uh, because that's who he wanted. He, he didn't want somebody that already thought they knew everything. He wanted somebody that was ready to learn and listen and to walk this walk. And so uh, it's the, the vessel, you know, 
these ordinary vessels, it's, it's not the vessel itself. It's what's in the vessel that makes it anything. I, I, I use this uh, example all the time um, that, you know, when you look at these from a long way off, they look the same, don't they? But they're not the same. What is this? Well, this is a this is a water bottle. This is a bottle of water. What makes it what it is is what's in it. Now, if I were to pour Coca-Cola in it, it'd be a bottle of Coke. But, but look at the label. I don't care what the label says. It's what's in it. And so, you know, yeah, it's empty. But God, let me take an ordinary vessel. And then, you know, if you could bottle the Holy Ghost and put it in there, you say, you know what this is? This is a bottle of the Holy Ghost. And it would be something special. You know, and, and hey, guess what? An empty vessel, that ain't good for nothing. Except making funny noises. Empty vessels, you know, we end up throwing them away. But it's those vessels full of something. It makes them something. It's empty, but it's, it's just, so get, get it. Water bottle, bottle of water. They're different. The woman that had, uh, she had one vessel of oil in her house. And the prophet said, go borrow vessels, not a few. So they went and they borrowed. And I said, now, you think that, they said, they didn't go knocking on the door saying, do you have any oil pots? They said, you got anything empty? Well, I got this pasta pan. I got, if they eat pasta back then, uh, pasta pan. Uh, I've got a coffee cup. Uh, I got this old coffee can. You just think about what you have in your house right now. Vessels. I got this mixing bowl. I got a rain barrel outside. What, and all of that stuff was changed by pouring oil in it. And it might have been a cup, but now it's a cup of oil. And it was worth something because she sold it. It had value. And it was just an ordinary pot, vase, whatever it was. They took the flowers out of it and said, here, take this. It was, this is a flower vase. Not anymore. It's got miracle oil in it. Oh, once God poured into it, it became something of value. And that's why we, let, uh, we want God to fill us with his spirit because that makes uh, us valuable to the kingdom. I, w- I, want, to, I want that value. And, and you may think, I'm just, uh, you know what? You don't have to be, uh, have a high school diploma to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Man, you don't even have to be in high school. Man, you don't even have to be in kindergarten. I've watched three-year-olds be filled with the Holy Ghost. Three. What do you think they know? They know Elmo. They know they have a birthday. They know they like chocolate cake. I mean, what do they know? But they believe in the Lord. They feel the Lord, and God fills these little vessels with the Holy Ghost. And, and that's, uh, that's what God's, I mean, just have faith as a child. Because a child is not worried about whether he can quote any scripture or not. They're just down there praying, believing in the Lord. And they, all these children are getting filled with the Holy Ghost. It, oh, if we'd have faith as a child and, and stop going, I didn't, I'm not dressed as nice as them. I don't look like them. I, I don't know all the words to the songs like they know. I, I, don't, I, don't, I can't name the books of the Bible. And you'd be surprised how many people in church can't name the books of the Bible and say them in order. You know, I've never read the Bible through. A lot of people in church never read the Bible all the way through. Uh, but uh, none of these are requirements for God to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Good things to know, sure. But we're just ordinary people that God has called to labor. Oh, he wants laborers for the harvest. And, and that right there ought to tell you. 
you know, laborers. If people look at laborers as, well, that's the grunt. You know, I just need some people to look. I've worked as a laborer before. When I was in high school, they, this construction company said, we need laborers. You know what I did? Anything they said. Carried lumber, mixed cement, you know, dug holes with a show, whatever, because you are just a laborer. Boss set up on the tractor in the shade and said, hey, go do that, go do that. I was just a grunt, just a laborer. I still got paid. And uh, so sometimes we, we feel like oh, I'm just ordinary. That's fine. But you know, these characters of the Bible, they were, they were instruments used by God, and we're instruments used by the Lord. And, and all the way from Genesis to Revelation, you know, they, they, they were so different, came from different places. They, they had different attitudes, different, uh, different views, and, but, but they had one thing that makes them all the same is they did not allow uh, uh, this relationship with God and their uh, divine assignments to go unfulfilled because they lack the facts. Well, I don't know what you're going to, you know, God, you're going to have to lay it all out for me or I'm not going. Well, you ain't going then because <laughs> that's not what he does. Uh, and and no, none of these, they, they never said, well, uh, you know, give me a 12-step program. Tell me where I'm going to be in a year. You know, show me what's going to happen at the end or I'm not going. Nobody said they just, okay, I'm going because we walk by we walk by faith, not by facts. Second Corinthians 5 and 7 tells us, for we walk by faith, not by sight. If I can see it, hey, there's a book here. That's a fact. Yeah. But we walk by faith and not by sights. We walk by faith, not by facts. I don't have to see everything. And walking about God is not about having all the facts. Nobody ever saw the full picture. All these great people, these great stories, these things we preach about, they didn't see what we have already read about. So we've already read that they're going to make it. But when it began to happen in their life, when they were called, they didn't know that they was going to win that next battle. We knew it because we've read it. But they, they were living it. What we've reading, they're living that life. They, they're they're you know, working somewhere and all of a sudden, uh, hey, come up here, the prophet wants to see you. What in the world does that mean? I don't know, but he said he's not even going to sit down till you get there, so come on. So he runs him up there, pours oil on his head. Uh, you're going to be the king of Israel. What? He goes back to his sheep. But we know he's going to be the king because we read about it. We know he's going to kill Goliath a few chapters later, but he don't know that. And that's the way it is with us is, is we don't know everything that God's about to do and we shouldn't stumble over the fact that we don't know. Just keep walking. When you walk with God, it's not about having scientific data that's been tested and, and all the facts are lined up. You've got a notebook telling you exactly how it's going to happen. It's not about, you know, God's not giving money back guarantees. You know, that uh, it's... Noah, what do you think Noah thought about, uh, you know, hey, he, he, you know, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And now God says, I want you to build me a big old boat out here in the middle of the desert. It wasn't next to the, it wasn't next to the lake. It wasn't next to the ocean. 
You ain't got no trailer going to haul that boat. I want you to build me a boat right here where there's no water. This is what, this is what it says about, about that uh, in Hebrews 11 and 6. No, number one, uh, without faith it's impossible to please God. But when you come to God, you must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So you've got to believe God's for you. And then he begins to talk about these heroes, these people. As far as I know, Noah was just an ordinary guy. But one thing that made him different was that he loved the Lord. No education, no, he's not a rabbi, he's not anything like that. He's, God comes to him and says, hey, I want you to build a boat. So by faith, Noah, he was warned of God of things not seen as yet. You know what he hadn't seen? He'd never seen an ark. He'd never seen a flood. He'd never seen rain. I don't know that he had ever been to the ocean. I don't, there's no record of him ever knowing anything about being a captain of a boat. But God about to make him into one. But it said he moved with fear and he prepared an ark to the saving of his house. He moved with fear. He did what he was told. He went on God's word and, and God saved him and his house. And it was a message that, and now a message that's been preached over and over and over and over his life. Uh, this faith that Noah had, we've, we've preached about it, we've studied it, we've learned from it, we've been better because of it. We've learned how to have faith in God about things that we don't even know about. And then Abraham, no map of the promised land, just a voice out of the sky. Hey, I need you to leave. So he walked out of Ur of the Chaldees based simply on what God told him. And in verse 8 says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, he obeyed, and he went out not knowing where he went. He went. You ever get in your car and just leave the house and where are you going? I don't know. Then what are you doing? You don't want to be just driving around today, not with these gas prices. What are you doing? No, but you usually you're going to get in the car. Where are you going? I'm going, to, I'm going to the store. I'm going to the bank. I'm going over to the church. I, you know, I, I know I have a destination. I know where I'm going, but, but Abraham has no destination. Just, hey, just trust me. I want you to go to a place. I've got a land prepared for you. I'm going to give it to you. But right now, just take off. North, south, east, west. Just go. Just go. Go even though you don't know where you're going. Well, that just sounds ridiculous. Well, that's because, you know, God's not going to give you every detail. But Abraham becomes the father of faith. One writer in the New Testament said he's the father of us all. He's a friend of God. He's, he's uh, the, you know, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob. It's like, wow, you know what? But he's the God of me and you too. And Abraham was just a guy that got called out. Abraham wasn't a Hebrew. Wasn't no Hebrews. He was going to be the beginning of that. He called him out of that land and, and brought him and made him a father of many nations. And he made it, turned him into that. And Abraham, how long did it take Abraham and Sarah to have a child? A long time. And they had... One, Isaac, 
And Abraham still trusted God when he said, take Isaac and offer him up as a sacrifice. I'm not sure I understand what you're doing here, Lord, but okay. But Abraham trusted God because when the, the child asked him, said, where's the, the lamb for the sacrifice? He said, God will provide a lamb. And Hebrews records that uh, Abraham knew that God was able to raise him from the dead. So he said, I, I know who I have believed. And when he says do something, you just go do it because it will always work out for your betterment. Just act solely on the instructions that God gives you. I'm thankful for what God gives us. You think about Joseph. Joseph had dreams as a child, but then he doesn't say certain about what's going to happen. He doesn't know what that means. He just said, well, here's, what, here's the dream. Here's what I think it means. But God didn't show him what it was going to take to get to that dream. He was thrown in a dark pit, sold off as a slave to the house of Potiphar, and then the blessings of the Lord still followed him. You've got to remember to look at your blessings even when you're in a place that you're not really wanting to be. And everything in Potiphar's house was blessed. I mean, Potiphar, man, he, he had put everything that he had under the hand of Joseph except his wife. And then his wife, she, you, know, you know, the Lord blessed Joseph by letting him be accused by Potiphar's wife. That was a blessing. How is that a blessing? I can't see that. It sent him right to a dungeon. I can't see how that's a blessing because he had to be in the dungeon so that he could get called to the palace. He's not in the dungeon. He never meets the, the baker and the butler. He never interprets a dream. And hey, if anybody have had a reason to say, I don't do dreams, that's it, I'm done with dreams. Uh, Joseph could have said, forget that. It's a dream got me in this place. So don't be telling me your dreams. But instead, he still did what God anointed him to do while he was in the dungeon, while he was in the prison, while he was in the hard place. And because he did, even though it was... A little while later, oh, I, the butler remembered. Hey, oh, I remember a guy because Pharaoh had a dream and he was upset. I, nobody can tell me what this means. I know a guy. Where's he at? He's in the dungeon. You need, I, I need a magician or I need a soothsayer. I need somebody. No, no, no. I'm telling you, this guy that's in that dungeon, well, if he's in the dungeon, he's probably dirty and he smells and he's got rags on and unshaven. Yeah, he's all that. He is. He's a, he's a true cellmate. Ain't no doubt about it. So they took him. They said, but go get him. So they cleaned him up, took that old prison robe off of him, and he ended up with the prime minister robe on him. It was the only person that had more authority in Egypt than Joseph was Pharaoh. And that's how he got there. He didn't know that. He didn't know that was coming. He didn't know that Pharaoh was fixing to do all these things. He probably thought, I'm going to spend my days in this dungeon. But the journey that uh, God chose for Joseph is a powerful reminder for us when we're walking in a difficult place, when we don't know how, to, uh, how this is going to, I don't know how this is going to play out, okay? A lot of people never know how it's going to play out. But you know with God, all things work together for good. All things work together for good to those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. And so just because God has not shown you everything 
does not mean you've missed God's will. You need to remember that. Just because God has not showed you how this will end doesn't mean you're in the wrong place. You know, oh, there's verses in Genesis that we would uh, never have the privilege to read if this had not happened to Joseph. Genesis 42 and 9, the first instance since Joseph is sold into slavery, that it says, Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed of them, talking about his brothers. So if he remembered it, it, done, it was out of his mind. He's living in Egypt. He's married. He's got kids. He's second in command. He's helping keep Egypt alive. He's not thinking about until he sees those brothers and he remembered the dreams. And then in Genesis 15 and 20, we hear the summation of it when he's talking to his brothers again after Abraham uh, or after Jacob dies. He says, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. This is why all this happened. But do you know that it took 30 years from the time God gave him dreams to the time that all this, 30 years of trials and unknown and uncertainty had to happen before we could ever read these verses. And so there's a lot of things that you're going to go through and, hey, just pull your thumb out of your mouth and just accept it. <laughs> you know, ain't no reason sitting in the corner sucking your thumb and, and crying about it. Sometimes you're just not going to know. And if you don't like God for doing that, you can take it up with him one day. But this is the way God works. I'm not going to show you the big picture because you'll start trying to change it. Yeah. You know, he trusts he trust us with a lot. And then there's a lot he don't trust us with because he knows that we'll mess it up. You don't need to know. If Joseph had known they're going to sell me into slavery, I'm not going to check on my brothers today. I done seen what they're going to do to me. You know, hey, would you go? No, you wouldn't go. You'd be like, mm-mm, I'm staying home, daddy. <laughs> no, sir. Go check on your brothers. Nope. Mm-mm. You know, and then they all die because it was Joseph and the plan that God gave Joseph and the wisdom that God gave Joseph that saved much people alive. The reason that Israel would continue was because of that. So we've got to remember that, you know, it's going to take some time. You're going to do some spiritual time while you're waiting for these things to, to come to pass. And so walking with God in uncertainty, they go hand in hand. Uh, you think about, I mentioned the disciples earlier, Matthew was a tax collector. He was a numbers man. I don't know if any of you guys watched that show, The Chosen, but if you've watched that and if you see Matthew in that, he's, he's like he's a little autistic or something, he's, but he's real. You know, he's, he's, everything, he's, he's writing everything down. He's, he's, he's focused. He knows, he's got to know what's going on. Every dollar's got to be accounted for. I've got to know what's happening here. That's how he was. And one day the Lord walks by his place and says, follow me. So he shuts his business down, drops everything, and takes off into the unknown. Very unlike his character, his nature, but that's what he did. And everything changed for him. 
And I know I'm running, man, this time got by quick today. But uh, later, Matthew, uh, and I'm going to breeze through here, but in Matthew 11, you'll read where Matthew records the story of uh, Jesus uh, speaking to some disciples of John the Baptist because John hears about all that's going on, so he's in prison, and he's about to lose his head. But he sends disciples, go ask him, are you the Messiah or do we look for another? And so he said, you go back and tell him that the, the deaf are hearing, the blind are seeing, the lame are walking, and the gospel's being preached, and you, you tell him everything that's going on. So they go back to tell you know everything that's going on, and I'm sure all the disciples were like, are we not going to go bust him out? Are we not going to get John out of prison? You're not going to do some kind of miracle and boom, John's going to be saved. He's going to be out of prison. No, because this is John's life. Right after this story, when I'm sure the, the, those disciples are walking away to tell John what went on and the other disciples standing around going, wow, uh, we're not going to help John. The Lord said in Matthew 11 and 6, Blessed is he who does not uh, take offense at me or is not offended at me. What was he saying? There's a special blessing for us when we refuse to allow the tension caused by our uncertainty to cause us to become offended by God. Don't get offended because of the uncertainty in your life because of the path that God has put you on. Don't get offended at God. And then, after that, the Lord goes on to say, and there's not a greater, greater prophet than John the Baptist. There's nobody. It, well, that sure would have been nice for John to hear. Why don't you tell, send, send that word with them so they could have told John how you're building him up and talking about him. But John didn't need that. Because John, he had lived his life crying in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord, making his path straight. He, he leapt in the womb when the voice of Mary came into his mother's ears. He, he, he loved the Lord. He had already given uh, the Lord his heart. He didn't need accolades. He didn't need uh, to know anything else. He, and that's it. We, we don't need to know everything. When Herod finally made that deal where he would give John's head to uh, Herodias' daughter, I mean, he, John just walked in, I'm sure, just walked right in there, knelt down, because he knew this was all the plan of the Lord. And they took his head off. But when you have surrendered your heart to Christ, nothing else matters. They can't take nothing from you when Christ has your heart. Do you hear me? They can't take, they can take your stuff, but your stuff, that's, but your heart's to him. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure's going to be. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. My treasure's in him. It's in heaven. It's going to be with him one day. And so the things that go on in this world, they can't rob me from what I have. You've got to surrender to the Lord. Give up. Let your life. Paul wrote it like this. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto the, unto the Lord, unto God, which is your reasonable service. And don't get conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove what is the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. You've got to surrender and trust God that God's leading you in the right path. And Wow, I don't want to go to a place where I would get my head chopped off. 
You know what you would open your eyes to? Yeah. And that's those ordinary people that were in Hebrews 11. That they were just people who were willing to be led by the Lord. Willing to have faith in this God that they had started out serving. Honey, you can come to the music. I know I'm running out of time. So uh, walking with God, you will notice that people who are fearful of walking with God outside of their comfort zones, they will often spend their days in their comfortable place inventing mythical dragons that become larger and larger as time passes. We come up with the reasons why. There's scripture after scripture, story after story. Follow me. Oh, Lord, I've got to, I've got to, Go bury the, bury somebody. I've got a. Uh, I just took a wife. I, I've got a field. I've got. I've got this. I've got that. I can't follow you today. Over and over and over, people making excuses why they could not follow the Lord. Proverbs twenty-two and thirteen says that the slothful man saith, "There is a lion without, and I shall be slain in the streets." The slothful man. He's he don't want to do nothing. He just wants to stay inside so to, to make himself feel better and so nobody looks at him funny or he's trying to create a reason. This is why I don't go outside. There's a lion out there. Is there? Yeah, there's a lion. Well, somewhere, sure. But he's saying there's a lion out in the streets. There's, there's a lion outside. I'll be killed in the streets, so I'm, I'm going to stay inside. And he, he has created that that dragon, he's created that myth, he's created that reason why I can't do what God wants me to do. But the Bible tells me that when I know the truth, the truth will set me free. And I know the truth is in Jesus. I know that the truth is that God is for me. And I know that I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And, and if I have to walk into unknown places where they believe dragons might be, I can do it. Bible says that there is a, a lion going about seeking whom he may devour. But he also said, I gave you power over all the power of the enemy. Let's, let's stand together this morning. So on this journey, here's some, some scriptures to help you as you are defeating dragons. Because for some, their dragon is fear. The second Timothy 1 and 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If your dragon is low self-esteem, you can look to Ephesians 2 and 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. If your dragon is some form of addiction, Luke 4 19, the Lord said this, that, he, that uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be free, will be released. And then in Matthew 11 and 28 through 30, if your dragon is exhaustion, the Lord said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Just come to me. If you're just emotionally, spiritually, 
exhausted. I've been through so much. I've fought so much. I've been through so many things. The Lord said, well, just come to me and I'll give you rest. The Lord wants you to make it. You know, when Columbus got back to Spain, they used to have coins that said, no more beyond. That's what was minted on the coins, what was printed on the coins. But when Columbus got back and, and brought proof back of where they had been, how they had found new lands, they reminted the coins and they said, more beyond. In other words, there's something else out there. And so you, they changed the money. They changed it. Said, no more of this, no more beyond stuff. There is more beyond. Let me tell you, if you can just trust God, you can throw away the old money and print you something new that says there's more. There's more for me. There's more for my life. And you don't have to just stay stuck right here afraid of the unknown, but you can just trust God He'll do exceedingly abundantly above all that you're able to ask or think. According to the power that works in you, you got to be ready, willing, because you are able to go beyond. Praise God. Let's lift our hands and pray this morning. Lord, we love you so much today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for encouraging us today, God, with the scriptures. And Lord, we just pray today that you'll help us walk Walk on this journey with you, Lord, into the unknown. God, let us see the things, Lord, that we've never seen before. We've heard about it, God. And we want to see it with our eyes. So let us keep walking. Let us keep believing. Lord, we're going to praise you for what's coming in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.